You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 8.30 or 10.45. Find out more at asburybosier.org. Well, good morning. It's good to be with you as we continue our series, uh, Original Blessing. Uh, sorry to have missed you last week and uh, for the COVID variable uh, of last week. Uh, we found out about a week and a half ago, uh, something like that, uh, that Robert had COVID. His teacher called and said that he was sleepy in class, which is not him because a child doesn't sleep at all. So we went and, went and picked him up and brought him home, and sure enough, he had COVID. But his only symptom after that is him rolling his eyes at me. That was his only symptom, is rolling his eyes because we weren't having chicken nuggets. So, But the rest of the family was fine. We're fine. We're good. We are thankful. Though he could have sneezed a couple of times during the last week and a half as we were rearranging our lives. But it's good to be with you as we continue our series, uh, Original Blessing. You know, in the first week, uh, and if you haven't been joining us, uh, that, that's okay. I'd love for you to go back and listen to the podcast, go check uh, the videos, either through Amplify Media or Facebook uh, to get caught up. Original Blessing, we started in a place where sin, sin likes to be in charge. And sin always lies to us. So much so that sin wants us to believe that our first connection with God is rooted in sin. And it doesn't take us long. We don't have to be theologians. We don't have to be masterminds of Scripture to recognize it just feels incorrect to look at a new child who is born and say, ah, what a totally depraved, wretched creature. Right? It doesn't take long. for It, it should feel counterintuitive because it is. What if... What if our original connection with God is an original blessing, right? In that first week, we talked about how God is just bigger. God is just bigger. You know, when we learn about God and we learn about faith, we tend to want to put God in a box and carry that God with us. We all, we all turn into 15-year-olds and we become, uh, you can't teach us anything. We know everything we need to know about everything. And we put God in a box. And then eventually, when we mature and we walk in faith and we live a little bit, we realize that God is bigger than we thought God was. We have to break apart that box and then we build another box and we carry God in that bigger box and then it gets kind of heavy and cumbersome. And of course it does because God can't fit in a box. So stop building a box for God and, and simply walk with God. God doesn't need a box. God can walk with you. In that first week, we talked about how God is just, it's just bigger. It's just bigger. But in the second week, we talked about, the, and that's called the, the, the positive way, right? God's energy, God is just bigger. Then we talked about the negative way or the via negativa. The negative way is that God is also smaller than we think. God is more intimate than we think. God is living within us. And it's important in order to recognize that we have to take some time. We have to take Sabbath. We have to be quiet. We have to walk, listen more than we talk. The negative way. There has to be just enough light. And today we talk about the creative way of how God is always working within us, which brings both the positive and the negative into one beautiful picture of what God is doing in our life. Our scripture lesson today, it's one verse. It's uh, from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It'll be on the screens, and it's also in your Bible. And it's also online, potentially. Here we go. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand 
to be our way of life. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We are what he has made us to be. This creative energy of God, this word of God that lives within us. Speaking of words, uh, have, you, have you been playing Wordle? Do you know this new craze, right, of playing Wordle? You go to wordle.com, it's out of the UK. Uh, you get six chances and you have to guess a five-letter word, right? Uh, and you only do it once. You can only do it once a day, right? You get six chances and that's it. How many of you played today? The word for today, right? A, a couple. Of, it's tricky. Today's a little tricky. Uh, and if the sermon gets slow, you can play on your phone right now. It's fine. It's good. Uh, but there's this creative energy that has to happen. People all over the planet are, are, are doing this all at the same time, and it's fantastic. Um, but in our house, several, uh, I play it, Chris plays it, Isabel plays it, Annalie plays it, Cecilia kind of plays it. <laughs> and we all, so, so the rule is don't cheat, just try. It's better to fail than it is to like look up a crossword puzzle dictionary or like try to get hints or whatever. Just use your brain. Let your, whoa, there you go. Let your brain do the work, right? And I find myself looking at it going, I'm like stumbling like an idiot, right? Just trying to figure out what this is. But it engages something within us that, 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 because we spend so much of our lives on a screen, we, we tend to forget this creative energy that God has given us to use our brains that God has blessed us with. And yet, something like Wordle, it ultimately is nonsense. It's just a word, right? There's no rhyme or reason. There's no uh, theme. It's just a five-letter word that we all get to pick. Here's the thing, as we look at this roadmap between the positive way and the negative way and the creative way today, let's think about words. God created through word, let there be, right? This positive way of looking at God is, is recognizing that God, for example, gave us an alphabet, 26 letters. And those 26 letters can be combined in seemingly infinite numbers of ways. Every English word that was, is, and will be is a resulting of 26 letters. This power of letters is even written into our own DNA, isn't it, right? You think about 26 letters of the alphabet, how about the four letters of DNA that create our own uniqueness, right? Just four letters, A, T, C, G, over and over again in different combinations. My, how remarkable that is, what God can do with just seemingly random letters. That's the positive way. The negative way is recognizing that these letters have to be combined and have to be surrounded with negative space, right, to create letters, right? Um, um, if, if the letters are too far apart, they don't make sense. If they're too close, they also don't make sense. It has to be just right. Words on a page, black and white, the negative space around a word gives a word its context. So we know what we're working with. We know what, what word we have, right? The creative way is when we take these different words and we link them together, to develop a story. Now we have a story. Now these words are making sense. For example, words need context. Words have meaning. If I right now were to say duck, do you get under your pew or do you quack? Right? Words have meaning. And sometimes words have more than one meaning. And that this creative energy of God always working within us to tell stories. We go from letters of infinite possibility to words, and then we link these words together 
into a story. Stories take time, though, right? Uh, Stories take time to craft. Malcolm Gladwell is one who says, in order to master something, it takes 10,000 hours of doing whatever it is, whether it is a baseball swing, whether it is working on a car, whether it is roller skating. If you have mastered something to the point where you can teach it and share it, you have probably done whatever that is for 10,000 hours, right? My, how patient God is with us. (laughs) In order to become a master of something that you can teach and that you love, it it takes intentionality, right? These stories take time to develop from a positive way to a negative way to a creative way. It takes time to shape this story. You know, if you work, if you're like a woodworker or if you're an artist, you recognize the importance of, of crafting something and the amount of time it takes to craft something. And, and crafting, really, whatever that is, is a conversation that's happening, a creative conversation. You're, you're not trying to subdue the piece of marble or the, or, or, or the, or the wood or whatever it is that you're working with. It's a conversation that we have with that medium. Crafting is this powerful conversation that we have. There's, in the book, uh, Original Blessing, uh, he interviews uh, a, a potter making pottery. And the potter said, I kept fighting and fighting and fighting the clay until I finally was tired of fighting. But it was only then that the clay stood up to the fire of the kiln. There was this idea that, yes, it takes hard work, Yes, it takes perseverance. Yes, it takes 10,000 hours. But at the end of the day, we have to trust in the way that we've been shaped and formed. We have to let go. As a musician, as a music major in LSU, there was one song that it took me forever to master. It's an aria, and I haven't really mastered it, but for a brief brief moment of time, uh, I I performed it publicly. It has the highest note that I've ever performed publicly. It's, it's an aria called Que Jalira Menina, which means, my, your hands are cold, because that's opera, right? You know, the guy like, oh, your hands are cold. Let me warm them for you. Like, that's all, that's, you know, come here. Que Jalira Menina. And it's the word La Esperanza, which means may hope take hold, right? Because he just met this girl and they fall in love like immediately because that's what it's about. Let hope take hold. Esperanza. And it's this high note. And I, and I worked and tried and tried to force it and muscle it and, but only when you let go are you able to sing it well. Whether it's pottery, whether you're a musician, whether you're a carpenter, whether you work on, whether you're a mechanic or a nurse, at a certain point, it takes 10,000 hours to get there, but at a certain point, you have to trust and you have to let go and you just can't muscle your way through. And it takes great faith to trust in the way that you've been shaped or formed, right? So a, a potter produces pottery, a musician produces music. There's a definitive difference between an artist and the art that they produce. It's kind of this existential thing where it's you are producing something. And we see it in our theology where there's creator and creation, right? God is a creator, this is a creation, and this, it almost seems dualistic. But as we walk with God on this path of this positive and negative and now creative path, what we begin to realize is that the artisan is not that much different than the art that they produce. 
And what they're doing is actually having a conversation with that medium. In other words, there's not so much of a difference between creator and creation. The creator is having a conversation with creation, a constant conversation with creation, and that conversation partner is the fully human and fully divine Jesus Christ. Jesus is our conversation with God feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, being a person of righteousness, serving the poor. That is our ongoing and life-giving and eternal conversation with the divine. You want to have a conversation with God? Then do the work of Jesus. And we will be connected to the creator. Jesus is our conversation with God. And the more we have that conversation, what we begin to discover is that the potter isn't really making pottery at all. The musician isn't really crafting a song at all. The most important and beautiful thing that a potter can make is a potter. The most important and beautiful thing that a musician can make is the musician, is the teacher, is the mechanic, is the nurse. Those 10,000 hours in terms of discipleship is crafting our own soul to be in service of God. We hear this when Jesus, in his farewell discourse in the Gospel of John, he's talking to the disciples. He doesn't have much time left. He's going to Jerusalem. He goes, look, let me give you a metaphor. God is the vine grower. I'm the vine, and you're the branches. There is this reciprocal relationship between God, the Father, Jesus, the Son, and we who are the branches and connected all together. There's this beautiful Trinitarian self-emptying fullness that happens when we allow the creative energy of God to work through us. This is what Jesus says uh, in, in John's Gospel. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Again, because Jesus is the very conversation that we're having with God. What is it that we are called to produce? Jesus goes on. He says, this is my commandment. You want to follow Jesus? You want to have that conversation with the divine? This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And no one has a greater love than this than to lay down one's life for a friend. And you are my friends. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant doesn't know what the master is doing. But I call you friends because I've made known to you everything that I've heard from the Father. Jesus introduces this relationship between vine grower and vine and branches, and it reminds us of the self-emptying fullness of the Trinity itself. The vine grower prunes and cultivates and it seems almost ominous. It says that the vine grower will prune and cut away the dead branches. And understand that it's not that some of us are vines and some of us are that which is pruned away. There is always something within us that needs cultivation, that needs healing, that needs to be pruned by the grace of God. And thank God, God prunes and doesn't hack us off the vine. God prunes us and makes us healthy so that we can produce the good fruit of loving one another as God loves us. And that should be our story. 
We've been, uh, in our household, we've been re-watching uh, Doctor Who uh, in, in the evenings. I feel like I should put tape around my glasses and like push them up, you know, put the pocket protector here, you know. It's niche, I understand. It's sci-fi and weird, and it's fine. We were re-watching Doctor Who, and one of my favorite lines from Doctor Who is that he, he says, we're all stories in the end. Just make it a good one. We're all stories in the end. Just make it a good one. Imagine if that's what we held on to in our connection with Jesus, to recognize that we, at the end of it all, we are a story. And our only job is to make it a good one, to produce good fruit of love. We have the positive way. God has given us an alphabet of 26 letters that can be combined in an infinite number of ways. And then when we recognize that God is bigger and God has this creative energy and that God has given us everything that we need to follow him and to be his friends, we then move into a negative space. We take those letters and combine them with space around them and, and now, we, now we have a word. We see that word and we see Jesus clearly. And then we start to link the words together in a creative way and we start to tell the story. In between services during the State of the, uh, State of the Union, State of the Church uh, address, I talked about one of our focuses, focuses, foci, fo points of interest, I don't know what word to use. One of the things we're going to be thinking a lot about in the coming year <laughs> is church as a master class. There is something that you know and love enough to teach another human being. And I want to hear that story. I want to hear your story. We all want to hear each other's story. May these letters become words, become a story, because at the end of the day, let's just make it a good one. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.